It's time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and I am here to help you build a thriving life. But today I'm here to tell you a story about a piece that that comes to me, a a place that I learned a very important lesson. But first, I've got to warn you that the story I'm about to tell you happened quite a few years back. It happened in my early years of college, and it's been a long time, and I've told this story many times. So as I'm telling you the story, please be mindful of the fact that it's not necessarily 100% factual. I'm telling you it as exactly as I remember it, but as you know, over time, sometimes we embellish a little bit, sometimes we remember it a little bit differently. Still, the point, I think, is important. So it was early in my college days, and in those days, I really wanted to be a surfer. You know, I really wanted to be able to ride those waves, and I have to admit that while I had surfed a few times, I wasn't good at it. When I was growing up, we spent a limited amount of time at the beach each summer, and I really wanted to learn how to surf, but we weren't there long enough for me to either learn it well or to justify having a surfboard. So I only had times here and there when I would try it out. When I was back home, uh, we lived in the mountains in in the Piedmont of Virginia during that time. And so when I was back home, I would do the best I could to replicate that, which was to skateboard. Back in those days, skateboarding basically meant that you were rocketing down a hill as fast as you could go, hoping to make the turns along the way. I mean, we didn't do all the tricks. There weren't the ramps. There weren't all of the, the ways you could now do tricks. So it was basically riding a skateboard, kind of like you'd ride a surfboard. I, I could do a few tricks. I could do a couple of tail spins and things like that on the sur- on the skateboard. But other than that, it was basically that I was the bigger daredevil in the neighborhood, which meant that I would start at the top of the hill, let it go all the way down to the bottom of one hill, follow down where it still was an incline, where it then went way down and turned at the bottom. I met that bottom several times without quite making the turn because of the loose gravel that was down there and learned some lessons along the way in physics, not necessarily in how to live my life, but certainly in physics, and I have a few scars to prove it. So that was kind of my background. I could ride a skateboard very well, and so I could surf a little bit, which is why it probably wasn't the smartest thing when one of my buddies from college announced that with the coming of the hurricane towards the East Coast, it was a good time for us to go and get some good surf in. Now, there were probably better moments in my decision-making, but remember, I was a 20-something male, so uh, deciding to make a good choice was always a little bit up in the air for any of us, uh, both male and both that age. So off we went, and I, I remember we were leaving campus, and as we were driving towards the beach and the storm was coming in, all I could think to myself was, what have I signed up for? But I was only thinking it to myself. I wasn't saying it to to my buddy. Uh, We were headed to surf. He was a longtime surfer. He knew what he was doing, was a good waterman. And so I decided that I was just going to go try it. I was going to go learn. And and what better time to do it than when the waves were rolling, right? And I'd been surfing plenty on two to three foot waves and and on slush. But this was my chance, you know, to say, could I really get some chances in on some decent waves? 
mean, let's face it, the part of, uh, of the area I was, I was near uh, in that North Carolina, South Carolina border area wasn't big on huge waves. So even if I was there in the summer and had a chance to surf, it was, it was pretty mushy waves. And so we drove off to the beach. It wasn't a long way, but it was, it was a good uh, stretch of an afternoon to get there. And, and I remember we got there just as we noticed that the, it was starting to get pretty dark and, and the clouds were rolling in. And you could see out on uh, the, the distance, the storm, that was a substantial storm. The other thing I remember noticing was all of the traffic coming the opposite direction. You know, all the traffic that was leaving. Now, there was no evacuation notice. And I do want to remind you, just before you say, what were you thinking, Lee? We always leave when there's a hurricane coming. Well, back then we didn't. You know, there was a different mindset on the coast that you rode out the storms. You didn't worry so much about the storms because, well, we hadn't had the kind of storms that we've had in the past couple of decades where we realized that, you know, when the storm's coming in, it really is time to leave the coast. So at that point, we were all still at that place of, of seeing if you could ride it out. You, you probably remember uh, if you were alive during those years of the t-shirts that would say, I survived, and then it would fill in the blank of the hurricane that was there. Well, that was the kind of the, the time in history. So before you cast dispersions my way about why were you going to where they were evacuating, they, they weren't evacuating. There were people leaving for sure. There were lots of people leaving. And, and probably if I had been a little more sensible at that point... I would have realized that it was a really probably not the best idea to be headed towards the shore. And probably there were some signs along the way. And one of those signs certainly would have been the traffic coming in my direction as we were passing them. We were going, and, and believe it or not, it was pretty easy to get a room on the coast for the weekend. It was pretty cheap to get a hotel room. In fact, we had an oceanfront in fact, it was even facing the ocean, and, and we were up on an upper-level floor. I think we were maybe on the 12th or, or, or so floor of the hotel, and so we were able to see the storm as it was approaching. We got there, we checked into the hotel, um, and pulled out the surfboards, put on some wetsuits, and headed into the water. Now, it's hurricane season still, but I remember it was being it probably as late September. The water was starting to get a little bit cool, and the air was pretty cool. It was, it was getting very cool as the storm was coming in, and so we were wearing our wetsuits to go in. And I remember that my buddy jumped on his board and crashed right through the breakers, made his way right out past the breakers, and got ready to surf. And he sat on his board waiting for me to get out there. I was a little more hesitant. I was looking at the size of those waves, recognizing that they were a little more substantial than I had imagined and that they looked a lot bigger than I had imagined they would look, given uh, what I was imagining in my mind of a four or five foot wave. And they were substantial waves. And so I ducked my board underneath the waves and I made my way out uh, reluctantly. And when I got out there, he said, well, it took a while for you to get out here. I said, yeah, you know, I was just trying to get a rhythm, a, a feel for the ocean. He said, oh, you've got plenty of time for that. So we sat there and we watched the sets roll in for a few sets. Now, let me be clear that usually there's a break and when you're waiting for a surf, that's the time you go out and then you notice which ones are the better waves. Well, this storm was coming in and it was pumping those waves towards us in regularity. They were crashing over us and as soon as one went, there was another. There was very little pause. There was just a kind of a constant, very beautiful waves coming our way. I remember being on that water. The water was darkened from the lack of sunlight. And, and 
the storm clouds were gathering, and, and it was just a very potent scene of watching all of this energy stirring around me and watching the clouds flying towards us and watching the sun pop out and then disappear again. And as we sat there, my friend turned his board towards the shore, quickly stroked, grabbed a wave, and rode it in. It was a beautiful scene. He rode that wave so beautifully. Then it was my turn. I was a little more reluctant, a little more hesitant to, to make that leap. And so I took my time, a lot of time. In fact, so much time that my friend had made it back out to the shore and I had, or from the shore back to me, and I had yet to launch once into the wave. And he took another wave and I half-heartedly paddled into the wave. I missed the wave. He caught it and rode a beautiful wave back in. And he paddled back out, and there I was, still there. And he said, oh, come on, you can do it. I said, yeah, yeah, I just got to get my timing down. And so the next one came, and I half-heartedly paddled towards that wave. And it went right by me. I missed it again. And I paddled back out to him, and I set up. And he said, you know, I'm noticing something. And I said, what's that? He said, you're not really going at it. You're not really going after that wave. You, you seem like you're a little hesitant. And me, being full of bravado at that point, said, oh, of course not. No, I I'm, I'm just missed my timing. And he said, okay. And so we were out there, and he grabbed another wave. And I was still out on the waves as they were coming under me. And I was going up and down, and I was just trying to figure out how to do this. So then I started trying a little bit, and I'd miss a wave, and I'd miss another wave, and I'd miss another wave. Finally, he paddled back out. He sat beside me. He looked at me. He said, you've got to commit. You've got to commit to this. If you want to ride the wave that's coming your wave, you've got to commit. With that, he turned, paddled his way back into the next wave, and rode a beautiful wave to the shore. I sat there for a minute argued with myself and decided he was right. I'd put all that effort to get there. I'd always wanted to give this a try, and yet I wasn't committed to the wave. The next wave came. I paddled hard. I began to catch it, and it flipped me upside down and put me on the bottom on the seafloor for a little bit. I came back up, gurgled a little bit, paddled back out, and sat there for a minute and shook it off and realized that he was still correct, that what stood between me and what I wanted to do was only my level of commitment. Sure, I could get tumbled, but I also was pretty good at handling that. I could get back up. And so I took off again. This time I rode it about halfway until it began to get a little mushy, and then I, I lost my way and fell down again. But I paddled back out, and this time I knew the difference between what stood between there and the shore it was just my commitment. My friend rode another wave in, beautifully cur curving, turns and popping up the top and riding it back. It was beautiful. And this time I recommitted and I dug in and I grabbed that wave and I rode it until it was mushy. And then I hopped off and turned around, paddled back out and knew that I had figured out how to do it. Now, let me be very clear. There were no acrobatics involved that way. That, that day was just me riding the waves in, standing up sometimes, falling down sometimes, but riding the wave in. My friend had a beautiful day of surfing, but you know what? I had a beautiful day of surfing, not because it had been the most masterful of rides, not because I could have won any, any prizes for what I'd done, but, but because I had changed my, my approach to it. And what I realized at that point is it's something that we often do is we want to go a, a certain way, 
but we don't quite commit to it. We'll talk big about it. We'll talk about all the things we want to do. And I've noticed this so many times when I talk with people about what they want in life. They want something, but they're not quite ready to commit to it. I remember a few months ago, I was at a convention with a lot of of people who were doing speaking and writing, and and I got into the Uber to go back to the airport, and I was talking with the the Uber driver who said, so what are you doing here? And I said, well, you know, I'm here uh, because I've got a book that's coming out, and I was trying to figure out uh, how to to do that. And, And by the way, that book is now out as of right now, but that's a story for another day. And I said, you know, that's why I'm here. I'm trying to figure out how to do that the way I want to to do, how I want to launch that book. And she said to me, you know what? I've always wanted to write a book. I said, oh, that's great. What have you done about that? And she said, oh, you know, I've started here and there. I've done a little bit here and there. I've got a lot of pieces here and there. I just, I've always wanted to do it. And I said, you know what? The only thing that stands between you and the end of that book is writing it. And she said, I know, I just, I don't know how to do that. And I said, okay, here's the thing. This is one of those places where you commit. If, if you really want to have that book written, you've got to commit to the end result. And what I've discovered is that is often the biggest determining factor for whether people get to where they want to or whether they just want to get there. And that difference is, do they fully commit So today I ask you the question, what is it that you need to commit to? What is it that's calling your name that only you are ready to do? That is that passion for you, that burning place within you, that something that you want to do, you know, something that you want to become, what is that thing? And what do you need to do to commit to that, to dig down deep, to paddle hard, to decide you're going to do it? What stands between you wanting to do it and you getting to do it, is often your commitment to doing it. I hope this has been helpful for you. And I just did mention my book, and I did want to say that if you're interested in that book, it is now out. I would love for you to check it out. I would love to hear what you think about it. You can check it out at thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com. And that's spelled T-H-E-T-H-R-I-V-E-P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E-S.com, thethriveprinciples.com. Or you can go to your favorite book distributor and uh, search for The Thrive Principles. Or you can visit my website, thriveology.com, and you'll find a link there. I wish for you a thriving life as you commit to what's important. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.